Greetings, dead and lovely listeners. It's your good buddies, Uncle Ben. And Hollywood Steve. And we are back again with the latest installment of the only podcast, Why It's Dead and Lovely, the absolute greatest podcast, because it's the only podcast. Yep. We're going to be chit-chatting today about whose house? His house. His house. That's right. Netflix exclusive movie that came out. A little bit, eh, a little bit earlier. No, it came out a couple months ago. It came out something like two, three months ago, something like that. Yeah, October, October of twenty twenty. And we're also gonna be catching up on what we've been watching this week, drinking some co beers and stuff like that. If you just want to get straight to the movie review, be that way. Check out the uh, timestamp in the podcast description. But you're gonna miss the good stuff. The good that stuff is, is up front. You know, mm-hmm. we kind of front load this stuff. I'll put all the good stuff up front, so you don't want to miss out on it. But if you do, fine, be that way. But also, I want to put it out there. This is a really, really good movie. Don't let us spoil it. Yeah. We're going to be spoiling the shit out of all of this stuff. Please if you're on the do fence, not yes, listen watch to it. this before. Go watch it. You do not want anything spoiled for you. Mm-hmm. That's Just right. go yeah. watch this movie. Yeah, I'm going to say your order of operation should be, you know, uh, first rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sign up for our, our Patreon page at the highest yeah. level that you can. Yeah. What's that URL? Patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. That's the one. You should go there. You should sign up. Then watch his house. Then come back and finish the episode. That's what I think. There you, you should go. Do. You know, I, I'm not trying I to boss anybody around. All of that. I just think it's a good <laughs> order of operations. How are you doing this week, Steve? Uh, I mean, good. Uh, a couple of uh, really awesome things happened that I'm excited to report. Ooh. Number one, numero uno with a bullet was my man, Flying Brian. Flying Brian. And, and, and my lady, uh, Leaping Lindsay, mm. gave me an Xbox One. You don't say. Yeah, they were packing up their stuff moving, and they were like, we don't need this. I bet Steve would like it. And I was like, yes, I would. Turns and out I they do like right. it a mm. lot. Really? I've never had one of those before. What do you do with that? Well, uh, you play games from eight years ago, basically. <laughs> <laughs> you, you catch up with the 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 mid-20-year-olds. Um, I've been playing Fallout 4 a lot, which I was... That was, like, the primary reason I wanted an Xbox One, because I'm a huge, huge fan of Fallout. Yeah. Wanted to play Fallout 4. Been playing it. It looks great. It One of the greatest moments in the Fallout series history is the Brotherhood of Steel reve- uh, like uh, reveal that happens about a third of the way through the game, or about less than that. Now, when you say Brotherhood of Steel, you're talking about the official Manowar fan club, correct? They're in the game. Is that what they're called? <laughs> I think it sounds like what they would be called, so sure. It does sound like <laughs> what they would be called. Uh, no, the Brotherhood of Steel, uh, they're basically, um, what would you call them? Um, like tech Nazis, kind of? Ooh, they're Antifa. <laughs> they're Antifa, yeah. No, they are not Antifa. They're they're <laughs> Profa. Uh, Profa, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man, fall, you got to get into Fallout. The whole I Fallout do. universe, the mythology and stuff is just dope. Because it's, it is, it is, um... A world in which 1950s aesthetic and the nuclear like uh, obsession of the 50s, what like was the future. So everything has this 50s aesthetic, and everything is like powered by nuclear power, Ooh. and it's just, oh man, it's just such a creative world and so much cool history. 
So you're saying you can go down to the malt shop and get yourself one of those hot new mutations? Uh, yes, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> there are definitely malt shops and there are mutants all Ooh. over the place. All right, but bring yeah, my rocket launcher to the sock hop. Sounds like a good time. <laughs> Dude, I've actually been doing myself a little bit of video gaming this week too, because my man JR pointed out to me that there, unbeknownst to me, is a slightly updated port of Final Fantasy VII on the Switch. Oh yeah. So of course I got it and started playing yeah, it. Duh. Play it. I mean, what am I gonna do? Play a new game? I doubt how, it. How is it updated? I'm, I mean, because the aesthetic was amazing. Everything about it was amazing. Like, what did, what do they do to it to kind of bring it into the? 2021 world yeah okay so not a lot like the the polygons and stuff for the actual characters seem to have some uh some smoothing out it looks more like the pc version of the game honestly where it's like okay okay. it's just a little smoother a little less blocky Mm -hmm. um not much past that still the same soundtrack and all that jazz still the same pre-rendered backgrounds and same uh fmv parts and all that jazz but they added in a couple features that I think will please either returning gamers like myself that are just playing this for like nostalgia's sake and just to relax and rewind and enjoy something that I already know. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe also people that um, are kind of unfamiliar with old school RPGs like that where you can get in random battles and these, you know, summons that you do in battles take like five minutes and shit. <laughs> because, yeah. okay, for one, you can push in one of the sticks and it instantly makes the game run at three times speed. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. So for like the summers and stuff so like that, long. Great. Nobody oh, has patience for that anymore. No. And it's cool the first time, and then like the 30th time that you cast Knights of the Round while you're trying to be Ultimate <sighs> Weapon is just the worst. Yeah. Um, so they, they added in the speed up feature. They also added in another feature in there where you can turn off random battles while you're exploring oh. an area. So if you don't okay. want to get in ram- random battles, you just click both sticks in, you won't get into random battles mm. anymore. I mean, I, I would like that on some level yeah. to, to just get to explore without worrying, but like, man, that's, uh, that's kind of like the excitement <laughs> of the game, right? I know, it's right? like everywhere you go, like if I cross that bridge, am I going into like level 20 monsters all of a sudden? Mm-hmm. Yep. Dying a lot is 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 part of the, the experience, I think. I think so too, man, especially if like... Especially if you're new to this game, you know, I don't think you should be using these features if it's your first time playing and you want to experience a classic, but there's also a feature in there where you click in one of the sticks and it's like instant God mode where your character's like limit breaks are always maxed out so you can do ultimate attacks, you know, right at the start of a battle. Also, like your HP and MP just recharge instantly. So it's wow. basically like God mode if you want to just okay, blow through so the you game. Just destroy everything. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> so it's interesting that they put those updates in there and it's not like hidden or anything like that, but I don't know. I get it. Yeah, that does make it. I mean, you know, if you, if you just want to get through the game because, you know, you're more interested in the story. Or if you just want to explore the whole world without worrying about getting into battles. Yeah, exactly. You been doing any other video gaming? Yeah, yeah. I uh, also finally got to play Dragon Age Inquisition. I'm a okay. huge fan of the Dragon Age series because I'm a big Bioware fan. Mass Effect, like those those games are very high on my list of most beloved games. Mm-hmm. But uh, also Dragon Age. But uh, I hadn't gotten to play Dragon Age Inquisition, and I started playing it and immediately got re-obsessed with the whole world and uh, started thinking, if uh, wondering if I could get a relationship going with Liliana again. 
Look out. In the first Dragon Age, Liliana's there and you can have a relationship with her and she shows up in Dragon Age Inquisition and I'm like, wait, is this is this going down again? Oh, What's up? oh look out, man. Yeah. Now, do these games <laughs> chronologically fall before or after Dragonheart featuring the voice of Sean Connery? Is it before I or believe, after these? I believe it's after. Okay. I believe Makes Sean sense. Connery may be the maker. Oh, okay. Makes mm -hmm. perfect sense That's now. That's a Dragon now Age reference for anybody that gets it. <laughs> I've really been wondering how that movie holds up. I think it's on like HBO Dragon or Heart? something right now. Yeah, I kind of yeah. want to go back and watch it. It's probably just <laughs> you fucking horrible. <laughs> I, you know what you should do? Because I, like, I, I texted you the other day and uh, asked you to give me a movie recommendation and I would just watch it because I, yeah. I felt like I got into a rut. Uh I think you, because you, I think you do this probably about every episode. You'll say some random movie and be like, I should rewatch that. You should True. start rewatching those movies. <laughs> Maybe I should. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I did do a little bit of that this week, and I'll cover that when I'm telling you about what movies I've been checking out. Cool. Um, I also, and this, oh man, uh, my life is a bit Sisyphean at times. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm often just within grasp of things and then never, never able to actually get it. Keep on um, pushing that rock, Steve. Just push on. Uh, and I, I talked about this, I probably at like the end of an episode at one point. But uh, I, I tried to get into this game, Crusaders Ki Crusader Kings Two, which is basically like a, an extremely advanced civilization game. Okay. Um, where you you have just so much ridiculous control. Um, and and it doesn't hold your hand through anything. So I, I tried to play it, and I could not comprehend what i needed to do i remember you talking about this it just kind of like drops you out and this is like well have fun <laughs> it, it drops you into the middle into the middle of european history 1066 and says all right you're in charge do it it's like do what it just do go <laughs> um anyway so I, I was like i'll watch somebody play it and that'll like help me get it so yeah. i was watching um mini a true nerd uh, I've talked about him before. He, he does uh, Fallout runs a lot. Um, he he was playing Crusader Kings too, so I, I started watching it, and I I really started to get a, a feel of the game, and I was like, fuck yeah! So I went back to Steam, and uh, I opened up the game, and it wouldn't open up. I was like, huh, that's Fun. weird. Yeah. So I like I like uninstalled it, and reinstalled it, wouldn't open up. So I go onto the forums, see what's going on. Apparently. The most recent Mac update made it so that you can't play Crusader Kings 2. So, this game that I wanted to play so bad and then watch someone play and I was like, that is the raddest shit. I want to do that. I want to put out a plot against a baby who might have a claim on my throne. That sounds awesome. And then I go to play the game and it says, fuck you. You have a Mac. I'm just saying, hear me out. I don't think he ever had no troubles like this when Trump was president. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Okay, that, that is technically true. Because <laughs> when I tried to play it, Trump was president, and it worked just fine. Damn it, dude. Look how quickly things have changed. It's all changed so fast, Steve. <laughs> what? I, I can't believe you did find one thing that was yeah. better. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> not, not much has changed, but not much was better. Um, yeah. Oh, the, the other great thing that happened, though, this week, 
was uh, Emily and I saved up our money and finally were able to get an elliptical. So, ooh, you're a Lipton. Been a Lipton like a motherfucker. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, it. Um, we we had this like rickety bike thing that uh, sucked a lot and <laughs> we never wanted to use that we had borrowed from someone and then they asked for it back and we were like oh good thank god we don't want it in this home we don't use it um and and finally we got uh i had done a good bit of research i realized we were gonna have to spend a bit of money and finally found one that would fit in our small area and also wouldn't be loud as hell yeah yeah and um man when i i got it i put it together got on that thing it was quiet as a whisper Ooh. it was like you're doing so good. This is good for your heart. <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you what, man. I would love to have myself a stationary bike, but the problem is is that I know that all these companies that are making them, you know, you got the Peloton, you got all these companies making these bikes yeah. and stuff now. Listen, man, I'm just too fucking hip. I'm too bougie to be a part of that kind of corporate culture. So Yeah. I'm on the lookout for somebody that can make a good stationary penny farthing for home exercise use. So let me know if you come across <laughs> one, because I want to get healthy and stay hip. You know what I mean? I get it. I get it. You don't want to. You don't want to look like you're <laughs> not up with the time. <laughs> exactly. I need a stationary penny farthing, man. That's gonna help me reach my goals. You know what I've been doing on that elliptical, though, Ben? Huh. I've been watching a little show that you recommended to me and that we talked about on our most recent Patreon exclusive episode, Yeah, Raising Hope. Mm-hmm. Yes. How's that getting to you? Is it getting good? Man, it's so good. It's the best. Are you still in the first season or have you made it past? Uh, I'm almost at the end of the first season. Okay. Awesome, man. Yes. Yeah. So, so very good. Um, We've been yeah, watching through great. it as well just because we, yeah, we... You know, started talking about it, and, and we did that episode on it and everything, and we've just been blowing through it. It's just the easiest, like, we need 20 minutes of fun. We know this is going to be good yeah. and funny. We watched an episode after we watched the subject of today's movie because it's so heavy, where it's just like, I need a little pick-me-up before I go to bed. Let's just watch another episode of Raising Hope. <laughs> yeah. Man, I, yeah, I'm glad, like... So, uh, by the way, we've changed our Patreon thing to now we're just uh, recommending shows to each other and then uh, watching them, and then the person who's being introduced to the show decides if they would continue watching the show. Yeah. Um. So w this was our first episode, raising hope, and uh, yeah, I, I, uh, that spoiler for that episode, I, <laughs> I loved it. So I, I really was immediately gratified in that idea. Like immediately was like, this is a good idea. Because Ben introduced me to a show that I should have been watching this whole fucking time. Word, man. I'm glad that you're liking it, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, by the way, everybody, stay tuned. Next month, uh, Ben's going to be watching The Boys for the first time. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We'll I, here's, a, here's a prediction. It's going to be the first and the last. I ain't watching some Ooh. show just because you want me to do it. You can't Boom, tell me how to live me. my life. You don't own me, boy <laughs> that, man. You and your boy true. show. <laughs> that's true. Me and my boys show. You know what they Ugh. say about that show, The Boys? Hmm. It's only about men. Mm, mm -hmm, mm hmm. Yep. Yeah. Last night we watched the one with the uh, the cousin and all the sister or not sister husbands, brother husbands, whatever co husbands. Uh huh. And it was just so fucking fun. You've gotten to there, right? Um. No. Oh. Okay. No, I haven't. 
Okay, cool, cool, cool. That's a good one to look okay. forward to. There's still a lot of really funny stuff uh, yeah. coming up for you there. Yeah, the the Amy Sedaris episode was really fun. Oh my god, she's, she's amazing. Her um partially successful areola reduction <laughs> surgery. I love when Bert's describing successful. it with with the fried eggs at the end. He's like, the left mm-hmm. one looked like this. It was fine, and then the right one was more like this, and he like just <laughs> destroys it with his fork. God, dude, it's so fucking good. Yeah, it's a great show. <laughs> what have you been watching? You watch anything else? Okay, I've watched a bunch of movies this week, and like I said, it's kind of funny that you mentioned me saying I should rewatch that. I've actually been going back and rewatching some stuff that I know I saw way back in the day and just mm-hmm. have been inspecting for quality. Okay, starting with probably the best way to spend a Sunday afternoon at home, it's going to be by watching Con Air with Nicholas Cage. Oh, yeah? Because it is a treasure holy shit yeah it is dude i'm telling you like we watched face off a couple weeks ago and it was kind of like well this wasn't i mean it was good but it was like ridiculous you know con Mm -hmm. air dude i swear if you can watch con air and not have a good time you are not a fun person you're not a fun (laughs) well i could see some people not having a good time yeah exactly non-fun people people with restrictions But uh, it's it, man, it's wild. It's dude, got everybody in it too. Everybody is in it, and dude, Nicolas Cage's southern accent is so bad. Yeah, so bad. It's, it's horrendous. I don't even know why they tried. <laughs> <laughs> it was just bad. Like, what, what southern is that? I don't know. You got John Malkovich. Seeing John Malkovich in like an evil role, give me more of those. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think he he's done a few, hasn't he? Yeah, he needs to do more. More like that. He needs that. more, okay. More right. of that, yeah. My, of course, the best Malkovich role is being John Malkovich, though. Clearly. So maybe he needs to do more roles where he's John Malkovich. I mean, I also loved him in Burn After Reading where he's talking about my memoirs. What <laughs> shit. He's such a fucking moron. That movie's so good, man. Yeah, it is. I love that yeah, one. It is. So I also rewatched one from my childhood, my days as a ute, because I know that this movie sure did make me laugh. It made me probably pee my pants a little bit when I was a child, and I decided to see if it'd do the same as a grown-ass man. Update, it does. Peed all over my pants while I was watching The Naked Gun, because that's on Netflix oh, right man. now. Awesome. Yeah, it's on Netflix, right? Yeah. Yep, and it's still so fucking funny. And there's so much dumb stuff in there that I just forgot about, like, Every time he's pulling up somewhere in his car, he just like plows into whatever is yeah. in front of him, like cars mm-hmm. and people and just <laughs> what the fuck ever. God, dude. Yeah. So it's actually got me like really wanting to go back and rewatch, you know, like Hot Shots and like, um, yeah, like Airplane and um, yeah. fuck. What's the, the baseball one that I'm thinking of? Major the League. Base. Oh, Major League's not a, a spoof, though. Yeah, but it's just like a funny movie from that it era. It is a funny you know? movie, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. Naked Gun, still fucking hilarious. Also watched another one that I hadn't watched, Man Alive, since probably a few years after it came out, dude. I found that, I think on HBO, they were showing American Pie. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> Let's just see how this is holding up and invest oh, some time man. into watching this movie. You know, I'll tell you what. Uh-huh. Obviously... There's a lot of stuff in there that has not aged delicately. Yeah. Obviously. Definitely. Um, but it is kind of funny watching it now, like as, you know, probably twice the age that I was whenever I watched it the first time. 
um, if not more. Because like the first time that I watched it when it came out, and this is one of those movies, man, that like if you're a young person and you watch that movie now, you will not see what the big deal is. But whenever that movie came out, it was show- it was so like shockingly uh, vulgar, and it was teens dealing with sex, and it was so like over the top and nasty back then. But like by today's standards, it's it's really not that bad. Um, but it was kind of funny because whenever you watch that movie, whenever I watched that movie anyway for the first time, as like an innocent, just you know, just an innocent ute. You watch it and you're just like, oh man, it's just like a horny teenage uh, sex comedy about everybody trying to get laid and stuff like that. And the thing about it is, is when you go back and rewatch it now, it's actually pretty different because you realize that it's like all about the ridiculous expectations that we as young people had about sex and how it wasn't at all realistic whatsoever so it's kind of funny because like i said you can watch it now and you you see these kids as being like oh yeah these are kids that have no idea what actual sex and actual relationships are everything they know they just learned from like porno mags and stuff um so it's actually kind of interesting to go back and rewatch it i would recommend it honestly okay especially coming after all those chats that we had on like our porno episode and stuff like that. I think it might be a good timing for you to watch that one again. Go check that one out. All right. I'm not going to say it was great or anything, um, but it was definitely interesting. Worth looking at as a, as a piece of history. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I gotcha. Continuing on with what we started last week, we watched City Slickers 2 the other night. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did, did y'all find Curly's gold? Or Found what? it finded it man and it was a delight it was a delightful movie <laughs> uh i really i really enjoyed it it was just a good old fun time right there it's yeah, kind of what it needed to be for a sequel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i'll tell you what man i'm hoping that i can keep my exercise routine going enough to where i can develop that that tight tight bod that probably mid 40s billy crystal had in that movie he's in great shape <laughs> billy crystal's been mid 40s since he was forever born. yeah i'm pretty sure yes. you're right man pretty sure you're right but yeah it was one of those like real like what am i moments where i'm watching this movie and yeah. there's like a sex scene with billy crystal in his mid 40s at the top of this movie and it's i'm like, like, All right. I was like man he's in great shape <laughs> billy thick <laughs> i'd like to look like that it's yeah. like dude You've let yourself go, Ben. You've let yourself go. One of these days, I'm going to be in a movie without my shirt on, and everybody's going to say, that's about what I expected. (laughs) Or they'll go, a little hairier, though. A little hairier than I thought. A little hairier. Yeah, a little hairier than I thought he might be. Yeah, yeah. We also watched a a movie with the old Aubrey Plaza in it called Black Bear. Have you seen this? Okay. I haven't seen it, but I, I do remember her, like, promoting it at some point. Yeah, it's a weird. I'll tell you that. It it's is a, a it is a weird. It's definitely one of those ones that you should watch um, when you're feeling too good and too <laughs> stress free. You know, when you're like, I could deal with feeling stressed out and yeah. angry at characters. You know, oh, you should okay. watch this. So when, whenever you're feeling that next, give Black Bear a watch because it is kind of like a stress fest watch, and it is like very artsy and fart sniffy. Yeah, uh, but it's interesting. Like it's all kind of I don't even know how to describe it without like spoiling it or anything like that. But it's all kind of like the fine line between art and inspiration and which comes first and blah blah blah. So it's okay. kind of interesting from that perspective because it's kind of about filmmaking and ba- basing stories on actual experiences and stuff like that. And okay, yeah, it's kind of like when when did the uh, when did life end and when did art begin? It's that kind of thing, uh, you know. I see. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so interesting sounds, but stressful. 
Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like a date night movie. <laughs> For sure. Fun times. Yeah. <laughs> Fun times. And the other thing that we watched this week, uh, which was one that we had been meaning to watch for a long time, but kind of knew due to subject matter and, and uh, family tree and stuff like that would probably be a pretty brutal watch. And we were not wrong, but it was absolutely fucking exceptional, man. Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. Oh, was yeah. You finally watched it. Okay. Incredible, man. Yeah, it we can talk about so it. It was so good. Yeah. I really, really liked it. You saw it like a while back, didn't you? Yeah, I saw it a while ago. Um, man. Yeah, it's, it is uh crushing yes yeah yes it is yeah. it is uh it is very very crushing and and you know again super relevant because like w- without getting too totally you know in the weeds about it like kate's grandmother on her mom's side um oma who's the fucking greatest woman that's ever lived you know she was a teenager during world war ii in berlin uh-huh um and the somewhat limited amount of stories that she has told us about that time. I mean, we've all kind of had to sort of piece it together bit by bit because obviously she doesn't like talking about it very much. Yeah. But man alive, she and her family went through a hell of a fucking time. And, you know, basically the scene at the end of the movie when the the city's getting, you know, kind of destroyed and stuff, like Oma's family's apartments got bombed three times. Like came home oh the apartment's been firebombed again like time to move time to start over they did this three times during the war when she's a teenager and mm-hmm. you know they have family that as young kids were drafted into the hitler youth uh which this Ooh. movie is is portraying and stuff so yeah. it was one of those deals where i was like i i know you know especially the top of this movie is very um fictionalized and silly and stuff in a lot of ways yeah it gets real later on. It does you know? get real. Yeah, it's it, it it's exploring stuff that uh, people have swept under the rug about World War Two. Like it's exploring the ger- the perspective of the average everyday German. Yeah, just being in that, being part of it. Oh yeah, perhaps not supporting it, and the radicalization of of young men. Yeah, because indoctrination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it it's, was it's very it was brutal, hard to man. watch for sure, but also, I mean, fantastic. charming in a lot of ways and and fantastic. Yeah, dude. Taika Watiti, man, he knocked it yeah. out of the park and seeing him as Hitler was amazing and hilarious and then like again towards the end really scary and very convincing and Yep. Man, it's good. It's yeah. heavy, dude. I think like by it's the time we got movie. to the yeah. to the credits and it's playing like the German language version of Heroes by David Bowie. Right. I mean, we're just like fucking coming unglued. Like, it's not one of those ones that I'm going to like watch again anytime soon. No, it was um, hard. It's hard. It's definitely yeah. hard. And like I said, just especially knowing that like there are there are plenty of people that are alive right now that remember being there for that. Like, and then seeing the dumbass shit that we have repeated. Yep. You know, where it's like, neo-Nazism is back on the rise? Are you fucking kidding me? I don't know. It's one of those things that, you know, I was watching the movie and I was just like, I really wish that this all happened much, much, much longer ago. Because the fact that people are still reliving uh, and re uh, heroizing, re-worshipping Nazi ideologies yeah, this close to when it happened the first time is fucking pathetic. It's yeah. pathetic. It is pathetic. Yeah. Man. Absolutely. 
What a movie, though. It really, really, really was fantastic. So really, really enjoyed that. And that's one of the best movies I've seen in a very long time. I watched one that you, you recommended to me you had not seen. Just mm-hmm. one that you and Kate had watched the preview of, I think. Just heard tell uh, of it is all. Yeah. Oh, you heard tell of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I did. Super Dark Times. Yeah. On the shutter. Boy. Um, talk about hard to watch. Is it? Uh, in, in similar ways. Um, just real rough moments. I was squirming, wriggling in my seat at times, just feeling everything those characters are going through. So boy, it's, it's, uh, it's a tough watch for sure. Mm -hmm. There is it the um, feel bad hit of the summer. (laughs) Ooh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, uh, I would compare it to mean Creek. Um, you know, it's it's set in the '90s, so you know it's got a, it's got a particular vibe to it that um, works well. I, is it like I accurately '90s, or is it like everybody's chugging surge and you know? <laughs> I I think it's accurate. I think it's pretty accurately '90s. They didn't go wild with the fashion or anything. Everybody just kind of looks like they would have looked in the '90s. But yeah. um, it's uh, yeah, it's a tough watch. But it's also, uh, I think, you know, some real good performances in there, especially the 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 protagonist. I uh, can't remember his name or the actor's name, but uh, fucking good job, guy. <laughs> Way <laughs> it, to go, buddy. It was awesome. You did a really, really good job. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I think it's worth a watch for sure. Um, it's it is one of those though. Yeah, you you're gonna have to be prepared for some rough stuff you're gonna want to leave time to watch some raising hope afterwards yes yep, that's episodes. exactly what i did afterward i was like i need to cleanse the palate <laughs> just liven it up a little bit yeah you know what i think yeah. would liven me up a little bit right now steve what would it what would it do what <laughs> it is throwing old cold beer right in my face yeah that slam dunking delicious. one what do you think i would like to do that myself i got me a beer here beer yeah, I've got me one, too. I got myself a co-beer. Today, I am going to be drinking a Equilibrium Brewing. This is their MC2, or MC Squared, you might even say. This is their Double <laughs> India <MC> Pale <laughs> Ale. <laughs> it's an 8 percenter, and I got this at Corks in the Old City in Canoxville. Uh-huh. And um, this is great. Like, we had the Equilibrium I think it was, what was it called? C or E? It was just like a letter. Their pale Oh, right. Yeah, that was great. Uh Holy moly. It's so good. And so I had really high expectations for this one. I think I actually like the pale ale one better. Maybe because it was more of just like a shock of just like, holy shit, it's just a really hoppy pale ale. This is great. This is a little bit more what you would predict. It's a double IPA. So Uh it's very like apricot plus tangerine-y. You know, it's it's kind of juicy for sure. Really, really fucking good though. Does it? Would you say it tastes like mass times the speed of light squared? Oh, for sure, without a doubt. Fuck I mean, that's yeah. the first thing All I would right. say is notes of um that stuff. <laughs> that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I got me a main beer company, Peeper Pale Ale. Oh, you don't say. Yeah, the five point five percenter. So just a good sipping beer. It is. I've had and that I, one right there, and typical of Maine Brewing Company beers, it is 
extremely balanced, not just a palate destroyer. And that is one of those ones where you'll drink it and just be like, you know what? That's got that classic beer flavor. Yeah, I got it poured out here and it is weirdly pale. Yes, very yeah. pale. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And get me a sip on this here. See what that does for you. This thing I've got right here is nicely cloudy, not super, super, super dense or anything like that. Got a little bit of foam on top of it. Mm-hmm. And the smell is just wafting towards my face. And this beer is itching to get down my throat. <laughs> All right. Okay. Balanced, obviously, is yep. exactly what I want to say. They are amazing at this. Main beer company is just nails everything. Yep. Uh, it's it's a pale ale. Like it tastes clean. It tastes a little hoppy. It's like I don't know. It's like bright. <laughs> like that's, that's exactly how I would describe, how I would describe it. it. Bright. Too. It's uh-huh. bright. <laughs> yep. And again, you could have that with a meal for sure. Like I think some some nice grilled chickens, some grilled chicken parts, like body parts yeah, from the chicken that's what, that yeah, were cooked on a grill. Would That'd be great. Definitely go well with like something light, like poultry. Yeah. Man, good stuff. Main Brewing Company makes a clean ass beer. That's some cab, cab, cab. That's some clean ass <laughs> beer. That's what I'll say about them. Yeah. I yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get your hands on some Equilibrium if you can find it anywhere. Like I've, I've had this one and the other one that I was talking about, and they are two for two. They make a really tasty, tasty beer. Yeah, man. I mean, I'd, um, I have not been uh, drinking much as uh, we talked about, and mm-hmm. uh, I think last week the beer we had was a little bit higher gravity. By the end of that episode, I was a little like inebriated yeah i felt like yeah just a little shot i feel that man dude i'm telling you since like the first of the year you know i've been doing my my two drink limit and stuff and it is amazing how quickly you get out of practice and also how brutal brutal a hangover can be when you don't you know practice yeah Mm-hmm. <laughs> well you know steve we were just talking about that super dark times that sounds like a heavy duty watching kind of movie and so is the topic of today's episode his house this is not one of those feel good family hits that you're just going to go to as a comfort food kind of movie you know there's a lot of movies out there that i would call uncomfort food (laughs) right uncomfort food you know when you're just like i don't really want to feel comfortable i want to feel really (laughs) bogged down by themes of um grief and regret and, and all that kind of stuff guilt Trauma. yeah just all the all the most uncomfortable of topics sometimes you just want to go to there i i guess so steve i say before we get onto the movie review let's go ahead and just take a little detour here into a super depressing preview palace welcome to the preview palace hi <laughs> That was Ross Geller. Hi. <laughs> From Ben Eller to was Ross depressing. Geller. <laughs> and um, I just want to give our dead and lovely listeners here, you know, we could call it a list of warnings or we could call it a list of recommendations. I don't know. You know? It's like, yeah, I think it's recommendations. You know? But yeah. it's it definitely, uh, this is like a, a warning for the recommendation. I think so. And, and also a warning too. We might venture into some light spoiler territory as we get into these yeah, but none we'll of these are really it. new um none of these on our list are like super new flicks or anything like that so you've probably heard of these at least so take that into consideration uh this is a list of movies that we kind of compiled here that we think of those 
as you know those feel bad hits you know those movies that um you just want to go to whenever you want to feel your feelings you know yeah yeah and uh sometimes you really do sometimes you just want to get into it so these definitely will get you there yeah yeah including the one that we're going to start the list off with here um we need to talk about kevin now this is a movie that what about we kevin? saw uh, well, we need to talk about him okay. do you mind if we do it right now okay okay Let's, what, what about him like is he okay um not exactly kevin's got some kevin's got some issues especially with ma hmm. his old me ma on this is he's got right? some he's got some troubles there with um ah oh, fuck what's her name uh, the, the, oh shit! If you hadn't asked me your name, I, I would have said it. God what damn just it. happened? God damn it! I smell Jesus. burnt toast. Do you smell burnt toast? Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton. That's Swinton. her. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god! Ah. That came to me from the universe. <laughs> I, I really put my hands up and for some reason. <laughs> Beamed it down. Boom! Came to me. <laughs> <laughs> He's got some trouble with old Tilda Swinton in this movie, and it's one of those ones that like. I don't know if you'd call it horror exactly, but it fucking creeped me the fuck out. I think I think it's horror, but I like I'd say some people would maybe call it thriller because they don't like. There's a lot of people want horror to have some very particular, like horrific element that or involves like a supernatural stuff. element yeah. to something. And this is a very real movie. There's nothing it's about extremely this extremely real, and that's yeah. I think what. But uh, that's the horror of it is how like real and un un uh, acceptably relatable it has to be. Since I don't want to fucking ruin it because I, I know a lot of people right? have not seen this. Yeah, so I'm gonna uh, say please. like uh, the, the thing I could say about it that's not like spoiler territory. Like yeah. anything you could get from watching the trailer for this, I'm gonna say it's like a really uncomfortable cousin to like The Omen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Yep. That's a good, that's a good relatable way to look at it. Yeah. We saw it in the theater whenever it came out. So we were just, you know, thrilled to watch a new Tilda Swinton movie and the trailer for it looked really cool. And we went and saw it in the theater and we were like, and we're never having kids. Definitely not ever having kids (laughs) ever. Just no, just not doing it. You're saying this is good uh, for contraception as well. I'm pretty sure that Planned Parenthood was behind this movie is what I'm saying. I actually think every movie on our list is probably good for contraception in some <laughs> yeah. way or another. <laughs> I think they're all going to you know, just kind of give you the message of just like, you know what the world doesn't need? More people. <laughs> kids, yeah. <laughs> Especially uh, kids. Yeah. So, we should do that uh, on the podcast sometime. We need to talk about uh, Kevin yes. as a dark one. Actually, I we think re- I know the perfect yeah. time we could do it. So and it's coming up. We'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, I, w- I would actually, uh, I'd love to do that, because, yeah, that, that one's, man, so dark. Yeah. Uh, another one on our list that we, in fact, have talked about, The Babadook. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is a very, very fucking cool movie. Yeah, definitely deals with, you know, grief and things, but um, what you see throughout is her being driven insane by her, the guilt she feels for the hatred she has for her child because she knows he's not to blame for the death of her husband, but she still blames him. Yeah. Ooh, man. Yeah. It is like a it good is. multifaceted look at um, grief and depression, you know, and, yeah. and what depression not only does to the person going through it, but the way it makes, um, I'm going to say us, because I'm a person that has it, um, it makes us yeah. lash, lash out at people around us as if they were the source of the problems. 
Right. Man yeah. alive. No, it's a hard watch. It is not like a good no. one to decompress and take in. It is <laughs> no. Stress Fest 9000 and also scary as fuck. Yeah, it's so good. Man, I love that movie. And uh, yeah, it, it's one that uh, we covered pretty early on in the show, I think. And uh, it's, it's, um, I've seen it pr- more than any, well, probably more than any of the other movies on our list. Yeah. Uh, as hard as it is to watch, it's so compelling to me. Just so relatable. Like, it, it, it all, like, so much of it I can connect to. Uh, even though it's just it's a very extreme example of uh, a person like having you know a a lot of confluence of things that that really just do happen to people but I've never had that something so traumatic and terrible happen in my life like that but still relatable in a lot of ways oh for sure man and especially I think very relatable if you know somebody who goes through depression and stuff, you'll probably yeah. get some good insight into what it's their yeah. world is like. So it can be a yeah. good learning experience, even if you don't relate to it. And uh, I think it's actually one of the better episodes of our show. So if you go way yeah, back in the archives, good. check out episode 56 of our award-deserving oh, podcast. Wow. So that was, that was year two. Man alive. We were yeah. just babes in the woods. You know this is episode 200 of our podcast? This is? Yeah. Holy shit. No, I didn't. It's a celebration. Look at that. Celebrate episode 200 of Dead and Lovely. (laughs) 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 Yes, go back and check that one out. You know, another one that I want to put on this list of of just Debbie Downer, brutal, um, hard to watch flicks, man. You mentioned it earlier when you were talking about Super Dark Times there. Mean Creek is a movie that... I yeah. I don't know hardly anybody mm. that has seen. This movie was introduced to us by our good friend Brandon Suttles. He watched this movie when he was in college, I think, and was just like, yeah. man, you guys will not believe this movie. He's like, I'm not going to tell you anything about it. We're not going to watch a trailer. You just need to watch this movie because, for one, the kids in it are unbelievable. It's probably yeah. the best child acting I've ever seen, period. Yeah, they do a great job. They do a great job. Dude, it is crushing. It's one of like, Uh it's one of the feel baddest movies I think that I've about ever seen, man. But it's but also amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I'm telling you, by the end of the movie, you'll probably forget that you're watching a movie. Like it really just feels like feel wrapped in it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It feels more like a documentary than anything. (laughs) Yeah. Really, really cool, and I recommend checking that one out. You know, one that we've got here on our list that was a big surprise for me because it has some of the elements that we talked about, but it also has a good level of funny funnies in it as well. It's a really nice, bittersweet mixture. And Uh um, it's a movie that Kate and I went and saw at the Downtown West Movie Theater in Knoxville, our art theater that we have down here. Art theater, yeah. Back when we could go to movies, which was awesome. And I've really been fucking missing lately. I want to It'll see a fucking bad. movie. Me too. Uh, just on a whim, you know, just based on the poster and the cast and stuff like that, we went and watched In Bruges whenever it came out. And I think it was yeah. like a, a cold January day, if I'm not mistaken. And we sat here and watched this movie and we're just blown away. And again, I don't know a lot of people that have watched In Bruges and it's so good. I I love it. Uh, it's, it's, 
I one of my wife's favorite films for sure. We've watched it uh, several times together. She loves Colin Farrell in it. Um, it's I, I mean, it it does it mixes humor and really really dark shit together so perfectly well, but it 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 it's also dealing with uh, a real guilt-inducing situation. I mean, to see. Uh, an assassin i don't want to reveal too much but to yeah. see an assassin uh, feel guilty about something and to to know like he's starting to like process things it's real interesting to just see how that all plays out Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. and the acting and stuff in it by him and is it brennan gleason yeah uh-huh man Brendan gleason they're both just fantastic and old mad eye moody himself mad eye moody yeah yeah, it's also got Fleur de la Cour in it. Oh, does it? That's right. I forgot yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, she's, uh, she's the chick. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Huh. It's been too long since I watched it, but I really, really do oh, enjoy man, that yeah. flick a lot, man. Yeah, Emily and I rewatched it not not that long ago, and it it's still great. Still, still very funny. You know, I'm just going to toss in just some gigantic sort of baskets to throw some of these movies into because... Okay. You know, I feel like I feel like grief porn is kind of the the genre that's gotten thrown around in like horror and stuff a lot lately. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, but the thing is, is like whenever that really started getting to be a thing in the horror genre, I was like, I don't know what y'all are talking about. Lars Van Trier and Gaspar Noe have been doing this for fucking decades. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not new. It's been going on for a while. Like Antichrist about a couple grieving the loss of a child and. You know the the blame and anger and all the things that go on with that. Like, oh man, yeah, and then yeah, yeah, Gaspar. No, I mean irreversible. Holy uh, shit, man! Yikes. Yeah, like these guys have been doing that genre. I, I shudder to say better than anybody. It's more like worse than yeah. anybody because these yeah, movies... they've been really oh wallowing God, in the dude. grief. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean these movies just make you feel like fuck let's just go ahead and go to bed early and see if tomorrow is any better like it's just yeah i don't really know why anyone wants to watch them honestly because they are just <laughs> i mean wallowing to in see bad feelings. dick i mean i get that that i yeah. get which confused <laughs> lars von trier we've talked about this before right <laughs> that guy's got a hog on him doesn't he he was confused by it because yeah. <laughs> it was so big that's insane dude uh anyway yeah, so, yeah, but, I mean, uh, somebody who, I guess, does that extremely well is Ari Aster. Yeah, with in the horror genre. Hereditary yeah. and Midsummer, both dealing Oof. with guilt uh, at the, you know, loss of a child, the loss of family, etc. Like, he he's, um, he's real good at exploring it, I would say. Oh yeah, I am so excited to see what else we get out of him. We've we've sung the praises of Hereditary and Midsummer. Yeah. Um, uh, they both got many episodes and full blown episodes too. So yeah, be sure to check those out. Just some of our better them, episodes. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that guy really, I feel like that guy really gets the depth of human emotion and what humans yeah. go through whenever they've been in bad bad situations uh, in ways that we don't typically see. He also made great casting choice there with Tony yeah. Collette. Uh, in Hereditary, just oh, the man. the absolute crime of the century that she did not get an Academy Award for that. 
I'll always, always hold that against the Academy Awards. Like the fact that she didn't win everything ever. Like, yeah. come the fuck off it, man. Like, name yeah. a better performance from anybody, male or female, that year. It doesn't even matter. She absolutely knocked it out of the park. And uh, yeah, those movies are, like you said, just a great exploration of everything that we've been talking about so far. Rough watches, but they're also just so fucking masterful and so perfectly made that I will watch those anytime, you know? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, even though they are disturbing as hell. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Absolutely yeah. so, man. And, you know, there's a couple of other ones I could just kind of sprinkle on top here that I would kind of put into this category, you know, Doubt with, with old Meryl Streep in yeah, there. Yeah, that's a great movie. Ooh, that's a heavy one right yeah. there, as is, like, The Hurt Locker. I think The Hurt Locker deals with some of the... I'm going to say like PTSD kind of things that we see explored in his house um, yeah. mm-hmm. of what it's like to go to, you know, quote, peaceful society after being through a war-torn, highly yeah. intense environment. Man, the Hurt Locker is one of those that really does just fucking punch you in the gut. That's not one of those yeah. ones I'm ready to watch again Though, anytime uh, soon. I, as, I've, as I understand it, uh, soldiers call it war porn and say it is not accurate in the least bit and that's not not the way really to portray yeah no there's no way any of the actions he take would be allowed at any point mm. yeah so it's, it's not an accurate portrayal it's not weird either when you find out Catherine bigelow also directed zero dark 30 she obviously seems to be way into raw rawing uh torture and and war porn Huzzah! Yeah, but <laughs> it, I mean, it's extremely well acted and and well uh, developed. Like, if, if the story's not accurate, I mean, that's fine. It, you know, if you're not actually saying we're accurately depicting war, if you're just saying like this is a story as a story, it fucking you you are so in his mind, and also you you really feel that like just the inability to connect basically yeah. that he has well i'll tell of you like, all the shit he's gone through with that movie it's not even the war parts that really punch me in the gut i mean there's really yeah. fucked up stuff and that's i'm sure where a lot of the fictionalization that you're talking about comes yeah. in it was the scenes of him just like trying to go back to normal life like there's that scene yeah. where he's like on the frozen food aisle of the grocery store mm. and it's just like it's the most boring scene ever and for some reason yep. it just really fucking destroyed me because i'm like i know a lot of people who have you know been in the military and been in the shit and come back yeah. and it's just like how are you supposed to oh man just snap back to normal life after that it's so yeah. fucked up the way we I treat mean, our the, soldiers when they return man it's not fair to them at all no it's way fucked up yes and then definitely um you know that that desire to get back to purpose is is um is something that uh you know, we as civilians don't fully understand, but you can still get it like that when you feel like you have a purpose and suddenly it's taken from you and you're back to just nothing like who are Ooh. you? What are you supposed to be now? Brutal. And you're not like no one puts any sort of respect on the stuff that you've done other than to say they respect the soldiers, but they're not doing anything about it. I mean, yeah, it's it's got to be real rough. I would yeah. imagine so. it portrays that side of it. Yeah, extremely I think well. very, very yeah, well. Yeah, which yeah. makes it brutal, man. And I look forward to hearing about your all's 
feel bad go-tos. <laughs> when you're just feeling too good and you need to just feel a little bit worse about your day, I want to know what you watch. So be sure to let us know about those <laughs> over on the Facebook group. That way I can either, you know, steer towards them when I'm having a great day or steer the steer hell away, away from, from them. them. When I'm not having a great day, that'd be good. You know, again, it's a precautionary thing or a recommendation. I don't know. It's both. <laughs> so yeah. let's know about those over on the Facebook group. What's that URL, uh-huh. Steve? Facebook.com forward slash dead and lovely. What else would Head it be? That's right. Yeah. That's right. If you're, if you're a Facebooker. Yeah, that's right, man. Which you shouldn't be. None yeah. of us should be. It, yeah. <laughs> I, w- I definitely wouldn't be if it weren't for the Facebook group. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's the best I thing about love Facebook. I that Facebook group. Yeah, people are saying it. I'm hearing it. People are saying it. It is the best part about Facebook. So you don't want to miss out on it. <laughs> That's true. I'll tell you that. Hey, everybody. Hollywood Steve here. I was on the Jack of All Graves podcast this week with Corey and Mark, and uh, we talked a whole bunch of nonsense, uh, some fun stuff about the Jetlove Pass incident, uh, Max Hedrum incident. Uh, it was fun. Go check it out. It's an hour plus well spent. Now, Steve, we've got bad feelings aplenty in the subject of today's episode, which is whose house? Is it Run's house? Is it Eureka's castle? No, I don't think so. I don't think it is. Wait, wouldn't that be a crazy twist? If at the end of this, they were like, it was Eureka's castle the whole time. All along, all along, it was Eureka's castle. (laughs) (laughs) But instead... It's His House, which is a yep. direct-to-Netflix movie that you watched a little while back. Yeah. I just watched for the first time last night, and I was just plumb blowed away. Yeah. I would uh, I, I would wonder what the direct-to-Netflix label means to you, because it did come out during the pandemic. Okay, that's true. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't have gone anywhere anyway. It had to, be, it had to go somewhere. Or yeah. they could have delayed it, but then, you know, what's the point? It's That's uh, true. It needs, you need to get it out there. Hmm. I, th- I think, um, like, there there was a distribution deal at one point for it with the Weinstein company that was Ooh. unsigned, mm-hmm. and then they backed out of it because they did not want to be associated with the Weinstein company, I assume. Yeah. Um, Good for them. But yeah. Fuck them. But yeah, they, they, they sold it early in the year, in January. Mm-hmm. But this is the interesting thing, because like you say, uh, direct to Netflix, they did sell the distribution in January to Netflix. Now, we kind of knew about Corona in January, so I'm wondering if that's what happened. Like, they were like, oh, we know theater is going to be shut down. We're going to go with this distribution model. Or what was there, like, something going on where, like, hmm. because they... Uh, rejected the Weinstein company where other companies reluctant to work with them. That's a good question. Yeah, like, did they fucking blacklist them for turning yeah. them down or what? Yeah, so like when hmm. you say direct to Netflix I'm I'm wondering if that matters anymore. Like, does yeah, it matter? Yeah, especially like, during the age of COVID, yeah. Yeah, like does it matter anymore if a movie even gets theatrical release? Like, does that speak in any way to its quality or or even its budget like i i i found a 17 million dollar budget for this and i was like yeah that seems about appropriate for yeah. this movie so like i i i think uh 
after COVID now, we're going to probably be looking at any sort of distribution is equal. Like if you get into a theater, cool, I'll go see it. If not, cool, I assume same level of quality. Yeah, that's the thing, right? And I think it's like yeah. partially because we grew up in the era where direct to VHS meant Yeah, that was negative. This yeah. is garbage. Yeah, it's You're like right. nobody's going to watch this in a theater, but we got to put it out, so whatever, direct to VHS. Like that used to be such a diss and it's easy to look at direct to streaming stuff as being that same kind of like right. marker of quality. But dude, there's been so many absolutely fantastic you know, direct to streaming things that we've seen even pre-COVID. I mean, a lot of the yeah, yeah, biggest absolutely. pieces of media that people have watched, period. Whether mm-hmm. you're talking about Game Just of Thrones direct or... direct to streaming. Yeah, Stranger Things. Like, these are direct to streaming things. That is well, not at all a Game of Thrones of does have a... They're on HBO. Okay, okay. That's fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. There's other but stuff. But yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, like, yeah, Amazon Prime, uh, Netflix, Hulu, they have some of the best shows. Yeah, so I don't know if that's really a marker of of quality or anything anymore interesting point interesting point so i think uh yeah i I was wondering about that too because uh you know it it was like obviously it's coming out during the pandemic but when i started researching it's like well they sold it at sundance in january so that had to either play either something uh like covid was playing into it or it really was like you piss off the weinstein company you kind of piss off a lot of the other people who are at Sundance buying movies. Right, yeah, your movie's not getting yeah. picked up now. Yeah, so I'm glad Netflix picked it up, and I'm, I'm glad it uh, got, you know, because I'd say Netflix probably has the most subscribers of any of the services, uh, so it got in front of a lot of eyes, and people need to see this movie, because it, yeah. it, not only is it amazing, but it also has really great message, and really, like, I think will help a lot of us deal with um, some of the guilt we will feel when um, we're through the pandemic. Mm, yeah, because, no doubt. Uh, you know, even though we can't do anything, you know, we can't, other than wear a mask and not go out, uh, you still feel like all these people died for no reason. Mm-hmm, right, and yeah. we could have done something. Sure, yeah, this definitely deals a lot with that kind of um, survivor's guilt is a big theme um, through through this movie, which is basically about a couple that seeks um, asylum, uh, that are refugees from all the conflict in Sudan. They go to London, and they are haunted by the, the literal ghosts of their past as they are put into public housing and try to adapt and assimilate into their new lives. And it's... Um, man, I mean, so... We start in, in with you know the the Sudan part. It, um, I mean this this does not stress much about uh, introducing us to the conflict in Sudan. It just assumes you know what's going on. And I'm just gonna put out there as a note too, and this is something that this movie really opened my eyes towards. So this is an automatic like, this is effective. This served a purpose. Uh-huh. I'm absolutely ignorant about anything going on in Sudan. Like, it's one of those things that me living on this side of the world, I'm very insulated from it, and I have no idea what's going on. And the fact that this movie didn't spoon-feed me anything right. about what's going uh-huh. on over there is fantastic. Um, yeah, I think the like, fact that you there need were, you know, to know. Yeah, you exactly. find out about it. 
Because there could have been a part in there where there's like, you know, they're at the immigration office and there's some guy that's like, oh, they come over here from Sudan? How come? Why would they want to do that? Well, well because we there's been blah, 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 blah. blah, blah. blah yeah, it's blah, just like yeah. dumb exposition machine shit uh, that would be doing the work for me. This movie really made me go, there is real shit going on in the world right now. Um, the, the UN has called uh, the conflict in Sudan like the greatest human crisis on earth right now <laughs> like it's bad it's really really bad and i'm clueless yeah, about it, it well i mean it's deep man it goes way back uh it has to do with uh, uh, imperial rule basically in sudan you're talking about uh, a, a bunch of uh tribal warfare being stoked on by religious warfare and um also being essentially uh put into the ring by imperialism and the discovery of oil in south sudan that's a lot of bad taste combined as one yeah it it's 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 well worth researching i mean we i'd say most people remember coney 2012 but don't know what it was about they remember right. hearing about darfur but don't really know what it was about Yep, same. That's me. I mean, like, I really am ignorant as shit about it. Read up on it, because it's it's deep. There's so much to say, and this is not the... Uh, I mean, I, I researched it, and I, I wrote down notes, but the thing is, this movie is not exclusively about Sudan. This movie is about the experience of people seeking asylum. Yeah. It's the refugee experience. That's why it doesn't go deep on the Sudan. Because yeah. it's like you you learn that on your own. What we're what we're talking about is the experience of refugees in general. Oh yeah, yeah. How their you know culture clashes and how the things they've escaped and the guilt and remorse they feel and all the things that come with them are then thrown into a cold bureaucracy that doesn't look at them sympathetically at any point oh yeah yeah and even though this is taking place in the uk it's like this should be a movie that affects americans um who are widely pretty unsympathetic towards refugee situations we still got those uh, kids in cages biden said he was gonna let on day still one. got those yeah somebody that's kind explain of a to me how that is day one later are we not on day one yet? yeah day one of what year <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. shocking we're uh i mean the thing is you couldn't set this in america because if you did it, the movie would be about how brutal americans are it would yeah. not be because the cold uh british bureaucracy of it uh serves as a kind of a just a foil to everything else that's going on like they're not the focus if you put it in america the folks would be oh we're in cages Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and too, like, I think the typical American outlook on people that are refugees, people that are seeking asylum from, you know, uh, a war-torn homeland, I think to a lot of us over here, it's just like, oh, their country's all fucked up and they want to come over here and take my stuff. And it's uh -huh. just like, you don't really think about what that must be like, man. It's like, I know that through the orange shitbag administration, you and I had complaints every single fucking week and all that sort of stuff. But like, this country has never been a fucking war zone that I have needed to escape to save my own life. I've never dodged no. 
mortar fire, you know? And, no. and again, this kind of goes back to some of the Not stuff one. I was saying about Jojo Rabbit. Like, even just seeing the destruction of that town at the end of that movie made it more real to me. That's just like, hey, you know, like two generations ago from my wife was a refugee, you know? Like, Oma came over here trying to get away from <laughs> yeah. the madness of, of post-World War II Germany and stuff. It made it way more real to me. Yeah. And I think watching this movie and seeing that multifaceted thing that it's just like, it's not just that people are like, hey, my country sucks, I want to leave. It's like, you're literally talking about people scrambling for their lives, trying to get out anywhere just so they can fucking be human beings and live. And yeah. then not only just the culture shock of being dropped halfway across the earth to this completely different society and having to try to adapt to that and assimilate but also having the PTSD of going through what they've been through as well as the guilt of surviving that and thinking of all the people yeah. that didn't get to make it, you know? I can't yeah. even imagine it, dude. Like, it's one of those deals that, like I said, I know we have stuff to complain about. I know America could be doing a lot better than it is. It could be doing a whole lot better. But we're but not in a war zone. Holy we're fuck, not are we ever lucky? With those same problems that yeah, a dude. lot of people are, and we should welcome them and help them because we are not as bad off. Like, it's so fucking crazy yeah. that we, like, people. But. I mean, th this movie portrays this as a, a, a universal problem, or at least a, a universally white pr people problem, because the their neighbors are not welcoming, and I mean, you know, some people are nice to them, but most people are very mean to them and rude. It's um, it's an issue of just the other, uh, and not relating, and also, I mean, she sa she says it, uh whenever they have that like he he goes to the office and he's obviously like going through something and so matt smith and the other guy show up and uh she comes out dressed like traditionally african you know in quotes yeah to, as like she she's trying to play a part for them and she she says uh, this is what they want they like to see us crazy makes them feel like big men they don't want to be reminded that it is them that are weak. Mm. So that that's what the the refugee represents to these people who hate them. The reminder that you as a person aren't as strong as them. You yeah. couldn't do what they did. And you're mad about it. Mm. Because they remind you of how weak you are. You yeah. can't avoid the reality that you don't have it in you. Man, it's it's brutal. It's definitely brutal. And dude, one thing that this movie kept making me think of with its subject matter and with the way that, you know, as is typical in refugee situations, like once you arrive in your, you know, new country, you're you're not allowed to work. You're not allowed to generate income ridiculous. for a set amount of time. Um, which it's is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it's bound to cause problems and stuff. The yeah. thing that this kept reminding me of, man, that really hits home for anybody that's been around, you know, good old Knoxville, Tennessee here, um, our man Yassine that started Yassine. Yassine's Falafel House. Uh-huh. Which Great is, uh, yeah, now two locations in Knoxville. Absolutely fucking unbelievable Syrian food. It's, I'm telling you, I tell everybody, if you're coming to Knoxville, 
one of your meals is going to be Yassine's. Make it a priority. Mm-hmm. Um, not only because he's just one of the greatest you know, assets the human race has ever had, yeah, but also because the food guy. is unbelievable. Yeah, amazing. So good. He came over here um, as a refugee from Syria. And I I don't know the entire backstory behind what was uh you know what his individual situation is like, but you know this movie also made me think about all the people that I'm sure he had to leave behind, all of his friends and family and people that he you know probably worked with and stuff back there that he had to walk by to get to come to America, and the whole story of Yassine is so extremely inspiring because he, he came over here and he had the same orders where it's like he couldn't generate income, he couldn't work and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. But he joined um, a local mosque and began making falafel for uh, the community of his church and stuff like that. Because I guess, I think he was a cook back in Syria and stuff, so he came over here and made them authentic Syrian food um, just for his church and stuff. And... Everybody was so blown away by it that he had somebody in his church be like, hey, you know, after your period of not making money is up, I'll back you. Like, the church is like, I'll back you to start a business. Uh-huh. And this guy has gone on to be on Good Morning America. Like, his restaurant was named The Happiest Place in America. Yeah. Unbelievable. And it it's just so inspiring to see, man. Yassine is totally the fucking American dream. He came here from somewhere else to make a better life for himself and his family. He's fucking done it. He has brought so much to the community. He has given more food to the homeless and people in need. Whenever Nashville had the tornadoes and stuff like that at the first of last year, he has done so much. And this isn't even his fucking country. He is grateful to be here and to have the opportunity to, um, you know, be be an American and take part in the, the American dream. He's living it better than 90% of us. And, uh, man, this movie really did just make me think of him and, and his struggle um, as a refugee and what that whole experience must have been like. And that's just so cool, man, to see this explored in a horror movie. Yeah, I but I think this movie is exploring be, beyond the beyond what we would call the American dream success story oh, yeah. to to drill down to um the concept of why it is we would expect refugees to even do anything mm. like they're they're just run for their lives like we should be welcoming them and lavishing them with things and trying to help them in every way possible um and not expecting necessarily a success story like when you see a success story when you see like someone who like Yassine like you said like it's so inspirational yeah that it's like wow how could how did you do that but we should also look at any refugee and be like how did you do any of the things you did up to this point I if you don't do a thing for the rest of your life I am amazed at you as a human. Here oh, yeah. are all of the basic necessities of life. And someone may be out there saying, but we don't do that for our homeless. Do that for our homeless. But we don't do that for this part. Well, do we do should do that for everyone and <laughs> yeah, for true. refugees. Yeah. We should be welcoming them in and really doing all we can to be like, I'm sorry the world has been shit for you. Yeah. And yeah. let's fix this. 
And also, we should do everything we can to stop making the world shit. But that's outside of the purview of this movie. But this movie does, like, the the line where Matt Smith says, be one of the good ones. Like, that's the most, like, that's the knife twist there. That's where it's, like, like, the idea that just surviving up to this point wasn't enough. Yeah, it's not good enough, yeah. Yeah, now you have to impress us. Now you have to be one of the good ones. Now you have to prove that we didn't waste our time by not throwing you back into death. Ugh. That's brutal. These are human beings. These are just fellow fucking human beings. They're just people. (laughs) They didn't do anything. I mean, they did some stuff, but that's, I mean, we got to talk about that. The morality of survival. Yeah. And how you can judge people for what they did to survive i mean I, I, at a certain point you can and at a certain point it's like gosh what would i do yeah and that's something this movie takes takes on head on with the yeah with the twist that we get probably 80 percent of the way through the movie because i mean basically the whole movie you're watching this going oh my god they were on their way over here and they lost their daughter on this raft you know, she drowned in yeah. the ocean and they came here alone and they are riddled with guilt about the loss of their daughter on their way to this new life in this new land and stuff. The whole movie, you think that's what they're upset about. Nope. <laughs> yeah. It's well, and the thing is they are upset about it, but yeah. for a different reason. Yeah. Uh, Dude, when it got to that part in the movie, which again is very close to the end where you realize that the reason they were able to get onto that bus is because uh, they kidnapped a girl. Yeah, they just found. They were like, "Oh, we're only taking kids on this bus. You know, it's so packed. We're only taking a kid on here." And they're like, "We have one. Put us on." And man, that bus is driving off, and that mom is running after the bus, screaming for a kid and shit. Holy fuck, Ugh. man! My my stomach hit the floor. I was like, Ugh. I did not see this coming at all and here's the thing about that twist too like part of why that twist is so cool is multifaceted because for one i did not see it coming no not at all it made all of their experiences and dialogue between each other and stuff like that mean something different to me it made me look at everything they said in a different light up to that point but also too the movie still would have worked without it yeah yeah, you could. It could have just been them grieving her death, and maybe you know, uh, uh, an actual responsibility of not like saving her from drowning or something. But the the fact that like it, it goes so far as to like bring us into the mindset of like, what would you do to escape mm-hmm. when you know death is coming? Oh like, yeah, that. I mean, it, I'm I'm not trying to rationalize entirely, but I, I am saying that little girl would have died in that village. Yeah. So, and maybe even worse, like she may have been sold into sex slavery and but rape, etc. Yeah. Consistently tortured, like uh, things like that. So, but then she still died. Like the, the they weren't doing a good thing, is what I'm saying. But it's also like. I could see how you could rationalize it in that moment. Like the men are coming with the guns. Yeah. What difference does it make anyway? Yeah. This girl's, you know, maybe we save her, but you know, you're not, I mean like that, 
that's what the thing is like the it's guilt like you you can't escape it like the way that the movie portrays it as a a physical thing in the house like from the they walk in and that first night that bit of wallpaper falls off and it's like this this veneer falls off and reveals this hole and rot beneath yeah this and decay. that's the guilt yeah that's the guilt just eating away at the center and 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 you can't escape it you you only can accept it i mean that's what uh he says in the the end like that's that's kind of like the the moral of the story he says your ghosts follow you they never leave they live with you yeah that's what um, reminded me of the babadook about this too it's very yeah. similar to the end of the babadook where it's just like well it's there you just got to learn how to live with it yeah, and it, he says, it's when I let them in, I could start to face myself. Yeah, man. Like, you you, you have to accept the things you've done. You mm-hmm. cannot deny them. You can't avoid them. You have done them. They're realities. We've all done shit. It, there are things that are worse. There are things that are better. But the fact is the fact. The thing happened, you live with it. You can't avoid it, you can't escape it, but you can help it change you, or you can use it to to mold yourself to become a better and different person. Mm-hmm. That's the only way that the guilt can ever be assuaged or, or put away in some way. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's a very, very strong message that's there at the at the end of the movie, man, and yeah, I, I think it's just extremely effective, and I was so happy to see this topic explored in a horror movie because even just kind of going from the trailer, I was like, it's another haunted house, haunted apartment right? Yeah, kind of movie. And typically when we see those, it's just like, okay, a fucking white family buys a nice house that was, you know, whatever, built on, on an, an Indian, Indian burial ground. ground or, yeah, yeah, or uh, like there's a, uh, a little Elizabethan kids in there. Like right. that's the kind of haunted house stories Our that were used to be told. didn't give us our tuberculosis medicine. Please, sir, may we have some less tuberculosis? <laughs> some less tuberculosis. <laughs> <laughs> so this is just a really cool, I think, environment and way to tell this story. Like you said, about survivor's guilt and the demons of your past and everything. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, again, it's just one of those things that was eye-opening to me because it made me realize, like, I, I've i never been through anything remotely as hard as it must be to no. go through the experience close. of, you know, a war-torn country and literally having every day possibly be your last, escaping, yeah. and then being immediately told, hey, you can't um, work or have anybody over yeah. or really do anything you want, but also you really need to start acting like us too. Yeah. Oh, and, <laughs> and also, also being shit you. on. Yeah, also being shit yeah. on by everybody, yeah. even people that look like you. Yes, like, this movie Holy moly. Yeah, this movie also drills down to the the myth of racial solidarity. I mean, that, that like starting in Sudan, the idea of racial solidarity is kind of a, a myth in its own like the idea that you're going to be safe just because one uh everybody is one color Mm -hmm. um and that that is what this movie kind of eliminates that concept that like oh just because they they share a skin tone doesn't mean that these teenage boys 
aren't gonna still have the same like nationalist sort of feeling toward this african refugee yeah 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 and uh, universally turns out teenagers suck (laughs) also that yeah it's everywhere (laughs) and the way that our characters um our, our our husband and wife in here choose to try to assimilate and adapt to the new environment and stuff is is very different and i think that was a cool exploration in this movie because our husband in this bowl he seems to be a lot more ready to try to take on the characteristics of the you know the the uk lifestyle like he wants to mm-hmm. use a table and silverware he wants to go to the pubs and sing the songs even though he doesn't know what they're talking about like he wants to blend i think that, you know they're portraying one they're portraying two extremes she is living into dan in her mind like she is still there yeah very much she continually sees these sort of ghosts of of her past he's continually seeing these uh attacking witch ghosts uh so like he he is trying to leave behind everything he's done and completely ignore it and put this again veneer over it of you know what was it like old navy or whatever that he went into and just bought exactly what the model in the the poster was wearing like yeah yeah he he's he's trying so hard to fit in because he doesn't want to be the person that he he is the person that had to do the stuff he had to do to get there he has to not be that person in his mind and for her it's she doesn't she feels like the entire journey in in a lot of ways was a waste she would rather be back home yeah she would rather be back where where she's from where things are familiar uh even if that familiarity includes death and i'll tell you what man like all these aspects of the story that we're talking about are conveyed to us so fucking well by the cast in this who uh-huh. I I think is is faultless. I think the cast in this is absolutely incredible. Gosh, man. Umi Masaku is so fucking amazing. Fuck yeah. Not just in this. I mean, we talked about her in our uh, Patreon-exclusive Lovecraft ep- Country episode way back mm-hmm. in the day. Yep. Um, but we've also talked about her in the Black Mirror episode that we did. Playtest. And the thing was, I didn't remember she was in that. I didn't either. She just disappears into roles, man. I didn't remember she, she she's in Batman versus Superman. I didn't what? remember she's in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. I what didn't the remember fuck? she was in the end of the fucking world. No way. Yeah. She what? is so awesome. Like so yes. good at being the character. And not standing out, which is insane because she's gorgeous. Like, how oh, yeah. does she not immediately stand out to me? But she she's in so many things. She's in, uh, uh, I, I don't think you've seen Luther, but she was in the, the fifth series of Luker, Luther. Mm-hmm. And she's in the upcoming Loki show. So she she's all over the place and amazing. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Her, man, just her portrayal and the way that you see the remorse and the guilt uh-huh. and stuff that she feels like it's yeah. not a mega dialogue heavy nope. movie. A lot of it is just expressions and eyes and close-ups of faces and stuff like very, very revealing stuff for an actor to do. And man, she sells the fuck out of it. Yeah. Yeah. She's awesome. I, um, 
I really think like the way that she she starts to look at him about you know 30 40 minutes into it the way she starts to look at him like just conveys so much like I I see what you're doing like she's so capable like she's looking through him almost and never really saying it except that one moment where they she kind of confronts him when they're eating and um she starts talking about the apeth the the night witch yeah yeah uh and he's saying that he didn't see it and she she's just like staring straight through him and she's like you are a liar yeah, and it's just dude. like oh fuck she she like nails that moment so perfectly i i don't know like i it, it was uh, i mean i said last uh in december that this was the best horror movie of last year i believe it like i everybody in this is so good and that's another thing too I, I, that just really kind of hit me about it since you were just talking about that scene in particular um one of the things that she said in this movie that really stood out to me that again made me think of Oma and it made me think of Yasin and everybody else that I know who's been through a, a similar experience in their life but you know when she's talking about how like these ghosts and stuff can't possibly scare her after the stuff she's seen in real life yeah Exactly, um, yeah. Because she's being real and confronting the issues and stuff, and she remembers what they saw, she remembers what they did, and she's living with it. Meanwhile, uh, to her husband, Bowl, who's just trying to kind of bury all this stuff and not look at it and not think about it anymore, these ghosts and stuff just completely destroy him and terrify him and shake him to his core because he is trying to ignore all the things that they just came out of, you know? Yeah, I mean, the, like he walks in on her in the kitchen talking to Nyagak. Yeah, like yeah, he, like at the table, she, just sitting down. Yeah, she's just chill with it. It's like she's she recognizes kind of what they've done and realizes that she needs to accept the the ghost that she's seeing. She doesn't know exactly how to make them go away yet. But she just accepts it because everything she's seen is worse than this. And she's admitted it to herself. He he is he's constantly like that veneer he puts on, like, which is amazing acting by uh Sope Dirasu. Badass. I think it's Sope. Um amazing acting when he's like putting on that front and just like starts doing that laughing that is just like unhinged and wild but like also like he's trying to appear as normal as possible so good amazing oh like, yeah man. the guilt is just eating him up every single moment and he plays it so well oh yeah meanwhile she's using the experience that they've been through for better or worse as as almost like her strength as her armor yeah. it's like i've been through the worst that could right. possibly happen. So I'm safe now in a lot of ways. Yeah. the I mean, the other performance in here that is... It's hard to read, but it's amazing, is Matt Smith. Um, yeah, the doctor. The doctor. Yeah, the doctor's in this, old Prince Philip. Um, he's... He is so amazing. I, like... He's subtle in that, this, yeah. Yeah, he, like, from that season of Doctor Who, like... A lot of people don't like some of those stories, though uh, I love the whole Amy Pond Rory stuff. But um, the it was very clear that he's real good at portraying emotion 
and empathy with his face and he does it so well in this but it's like it's because like i'm not sure what his character is he says racist shit but it's also like he doesn't seem to be he doesn't seem to be like intentionally trying to hurt them it seems like that's the culture he's absorbed yeah it seems that way he used to be a banker and he lost his job because of the 2008 financial crash so there's some like bitterness there and the other people he worked with are so like stoic and like they do nothing to try to connect with bowl and real um but he does he tries in some ways but it's like he's he's portraying this like this character who does not know how to relate but is trying to be slightly humane but he's also still racist yeah all of that all comes across in like very limited like dialogue moments and and just his facial expressions he's very good in this you're right it's like that's a that's a complex sort of wad of emotions and characteristics to try to portray yeah, uh, but he does it very well without going completely over the top. I think in yeah. in any direction. And you were telling me too that the guy that ends up playing the the Apath, the butcher uh-huh. character in this, the apparently butcher. has some some credits to his name as well, right? Dude, he's played so many creature roles. He's, yeah, he's like Andy Circus s- or something. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, like it, but, but horror. <laughs> um, he's he, he was in the Wreck series. He, mm-hmm. he played Mama in Mama. Okay, he yeah. Was in The Mummy. He was in uh, Crimson Peak. It, oh, shit. The Conjuring uh, 2, Insidious. He's in so many, like, creature roles in so many of the biggest horror films of the past decade. But if you and, saw this guy uh, in the grocery store, you wouldn't recognize oh, him. Oh, you wouldn't recognize him at all because you've never seen him without makeup on. Yeah, you've never but seen he, his face before. He's he's definitely as as you said you texted to me he's definitely uh, Mitch McConnelling yeah this for one. sure <laughs> <laughs> he is pale manning the shit yeah. out of that role dude yeah it's great I mean the makeup is so like perfectly kind of normal but also like real gross like yeah. he doesn't go like outlandish monster but it's like very very creepy and, and gross extremely extremely creepy man and there's a few things in particular about that character that really stood out to me man i love that part where bowl is having that that vision of him and it's in the apartment or whatever but he looks like he's like really far away and he's standing by the fire but it's like you can't really see him you can see his glowing eyes and just like vague characteristics of his body shape and his face shape and stuff it's one of those things where it's like it showed you just enough to make your brain go, what the fuck am I looking at? This right. isn't normal. This isn't right. Yeah. And then, dude, too, like even at the end of the movie, whenever he's attacking Bowl and stuff, the way that he starts to fucking wear him like a glove is yeah. so bizarre. Like that was a very yeah. like Clive Barker move to me where uh-huh. it's like. If this was anybody else, I think he'd be ripping out his intestines and wearing him as a necktie or whatever. But right, you know, he's uh, Bull summoned him there by making that that cut across his arm, and the way that the butcher just reaches his hand in, like I'm gonna wear yeah. your fucking skin like a suit. For one, is brutal, and the effect was very well done. I thought it looked very convincing. 
but it's just so shockingly fucked up and weird and like the last thing that you'd expect that i i found it very effective yeah absolutely and i think there's probably something to be said there with like the way that uh ball is is um trying to assimilate to white culture oh and yeah the fact that this creature is is a white creature trying to get in under his skin like the idea that perhaps this this witch would infect him and then be uh you know use his like ability or desire to assimilate into white culture as you know his way of controlling him yeah yeah i there there's like that that like i was the same thing was going through my head i was like oh this is suddenly like body horror uh and yeah clive barkery kind of like and it it is still i think i i don't fully understand what it was going on there like what mm-hmm. they were going for but what i was think that's some yeah. of it yeah i think that's some of it that he's trying to assimilate this white culture and like trying to become this uh to the point that the this white demon is gonna infest him or this white witch uh is gonna infest him yeah or infect him sorry infest him (laughs) fucking crazy really 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 cool design of that character and really really great portrayal and all of that stuff is shown to us through some truly truly gorgeous cinematography like if you don't like this movie whatever like i i guess i get it it's it's one of those that like i went on imdb before we started recording and there's a bunch of reviews that fucking hated this movie and said it was the worst thing they'd ever seen. Dude, one guy on here was like, the only reason this is rated high is because uh, BLM supporters went on here and rated it high because it's got black people in it. And I'm just like, fuck off. Why is this That's even still on here? It's insane. Absolutely insane. But I think that honestly, like, even if you don't particularly enjoy this movie, maybe it's just you know too much of a feel-bad watch, which I get, uh, you cannot deny how gorgeous this movie is, man. I mean, just great. the... Looks the amazing. scenes in the apartment, which the apartment uh-huh. itself is a character, which is always one of my favorite things. When the location itself in a horror flick feels like its own entity. Yeah. Well, in this case, it. I mean, you know, it, it is in some ways because yeah. the walls talk sort of and, and you know, it is, it, it, it'll be Nyagak's voice, but then it'll be someone else's voice and then turns out it's all these... Uh, people that died along the way in the Mediterranean Sea, like in his mind. But yeah, like the house itself is the representation of that. So he's like knocking down the walls and pulling off the the wallpaper and ripping out like the the electrical and all this stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, man, it's absolutely gorgeous, and especially to some of the more you know surreal scenes in this, where you're not really sure, like. And, and that's honestly one of the things I like about this. You're not really sure if, like, Bowl and them are being pulled into some alternate dimension, if their actual physical space is changing, or if it's right. all in their minds, if this is some yes. kind of, like, PTSD vision, um, hallucination kind of thing that they're having. You're never really sure, but, man, even those scenes where, like, it shows him sitting at the table alone by himself there, and he's eating, and the walls are crumbled down, but he's in, like, the yeah. water, and there's the corpses rising up. Yeah. I mean, it is beautiful and fucked up. It is. Uh, the scene where she sees all all of the uh, women, I would assume, from her, her family or just from her tribe that are dead, that were killed yeah. in, in that uh, 
that uh, space they were in. Like, the, the way that... Um, I mean, the way that I read that is really that, yeah, it is... We're supposed to... At the end, we are supposed to believe that, in fact, there was a white witch and all of these things were the things they were being shown by the white witch, by the Ape. Uh, yeah. and, and that the sort of sneering tone that the people, uh, Matt Smith and the, the other two people take at the end. I mean, Matt Smith, I, I think, is he is a little more sympathetic, but again, still sneering in a, in a lot of ways toward their uh, perspective. I think we're supposed to see that as wrong. We're supposed to see like, no, this did happen. Like you, you don't understand it. It's beyond you. It's outside of your experience. But this did happen to them. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's yeah. it's got so many visuals in here that will stick with me long after we do this episode. I mean, even just the shots of them walking at night through that field, and there's the other figures way off in the distance in the fog and the mist that are just walking, you know, just trying yeah. to get away the same as they are. And then, like, yeah. there's that other scene where they're hiding out on top of that roof, and there's that guy with the suitcase that is on fire. Yeah. Like, like NBA Jam style, he's on fire, and he's still holding his suitcase. Like, he is literally being burnt to death and is still like, I got to get out of here. Like, he I mean, has his stuff and is trying to leave. That's how bad it is. Like, the the way that we, the way that we, like, are able to deal with the atrocities that happen all over the world is for some people it is to but to take humanity away from the victims so that you don't have to relate to them mm -hmm. and i thought that was actually probably the most like that that moment was the one that really sealed it for me seeing that man on fire I think it was just a briefcase. It looked like he was just going to work and now he's on fire. Wow. Like, that's... Just because a place is supposedly war-torn does not mean people don't have regular day-to-day -day lives and that these things aren't still shocking to them. Like, the fact that he was on fire and walking like normal is that... that shock of, what is happening? How am I suddenly on fire? I was just going to work. Like, we we forget that these areas still have normal shit happening yeah life is still going on regular yeah. human people mm -hmm. yeah. because it's it's an atrocity and it's hard to process and we don't know what we can do about it and so we just we have to rationalize it in our heads and make it okay sure dude all that stuff that we're mentioning it makes it all the more unbelievable to me that this is uh, this dude's directorial debut of a feature-length yeah. movie. That's, a feature-length, yeah, yeah. That's unbelievable. I mean, he's done yeah. some other work and stuff in video yeah, before. Yeah, he had but... a couple of shorts, and he did uh, uh, an episode of a, a horror miniseries that um, was on Channel 4 in, in uh, the land of Ing. Oh, England, it's called. England. Yeah, England. Yeah, but this is his uh, feature-length directorial debut and boy knocked it out of the park came out swinging i'll tell you mm -hmm. that dude also too man i feel so fucking bad for well, I, did for, we say his name guy. remy weeks by remy the way weeks. is there the name go. of the director yeah, yeah yeah you said the guy who directed <laughs> it and i think you that were guy. like indicating to me to say his name yeah <laughs> his fishing name a little remy bit weeks. yeah <laughs> 
I feel so fucking bad for dudes like him that are like, hey, I'm so stoked to get to put up my first movie. Also, it's incredible. Also, nobody's going to get to see it in theaters because COVID. Like, it reminds me of, like, people that yeah. started a restaurant at the first of 2020. Oh, Because there's so many. Like, even here in Knoxville, yeah. I know there's tons that were like, hey, I started a brewery this year, and nobody can come. Like, yeah, God dude, damn I mean, it. High, that sucks. Highwire just got their brewery here, like, last year. Yep. And, yeah, some others just started recently. Yeah, Zool. Mm-hmm. Zool, yeah. Jesus. And, yeah, to just have... You know, because it, the, what they were bringing was quality to the city. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and this guy brought an incredible movie, and nobody got saw yeah. in a theater. So that yeah. that sucks. I really feel bad for him because I, I really do think that if this would have hit the distribution into theater scene, I think that it would have gotten a lot more hype than yeah than it has. Now that I've seen it, I'm like, why didn't everybody blow up about this more? Like I realize it I came think, out several months ago, but it's just like I don't remember that many people talking about it then. I well see, okay, the thing is horror writers were talking about it. Like people who write about horror movies were talking about it, like how great it was. But I think especially by October of the pandemic, uh everybody was kind of almost fizzled out of the newest thing on Netflix. Like we, you know, we all had gone through the, like the, the bulls documentary series and, uh, Tiger you know, everything, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everything else that had come along. And it's like, we haven't, have we had anything like that since the Mandalorian? Well, you know what? The Mandalorian came out the same day as this. Oh, wow. So, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe maybe that had something to do well, with but, it. But then also, to you know, Mandalorian, it's like you have the, the whole nostalgia drug behind that that makes people just immediately want to latch onto yeah. it because it's kind of familiar where, like, watching this movie in the middle of a global crisis, yeah. you know, you kind of want to reach for lot. the things that give you the warm fuzzies during this time yeah. in the world, so... I, I guess I, I get it in a way, but I just wish that this movie would have existed in a time period where it could have been completely appreciated and watched in theaters by bunches of people. Um, mm. I think that would have really helped this along in its place in horror history. <laughs> yeah, you, you you were saying before we recorded that if Jordan Peele had directed this movie, people wouldn't have stopped talking about oh, it. Oh, or produced it or anything, dude. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, and again, not at all knocking Jordan Peele, man. No, like, I no. Absolutely dude, dude, continue fucking to love talk about Jordan Peele. Love him. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, it, man. because his, like, the, the name attached to it, Remy Weeks, wasn't wasn't big enough uh, and, and it couldn't break through the, I, I mean, uh, that is what we were talking about in October 30th for, on was The Mandalorian. So it, it, if it had a bigger name attached to it, people would have also been like, hey, have you seen this? Um, and, and also, yeah, if it had gotten to go into the theaters and people could have got that word of mouth like, oh, my gosh, you got to go see this. It has all the moments that people look for in a theater horror movie. It has those like, uh, I mean no better way to put it i guess like jump scares that work and i i say jump scares and i know some people are like oh fuck i thought you said this was a good movie right yeah because typically that's the sign of weak horror like you have to throw a cat at me to make me jump yeah and it's it's not that type of thing no it is uh, but it still fits into the realm of jump scare that is when you build up tension to a point where a moment is supposed to scare you jump scare uh the the bad ones are scares that are a musical sting 
like you're scared because the music tells you to be scared. Or as yeah. you said, the cat gets thrown in. Uh, when when uh, you got good jump scares, people don't call them jump scares. They don't even think about it as a jump scare. Right. But when you build up tension slowly and then have a moment of release, that is the jump scare. And in fact, they can be great. They yes. are not all bad. It's yeah, this just movie that, has plenty. Yeah, it's just that when they're good, you don't think of them as jump scares. But it's still hitting the same markers. So the the scares are what you would just uh, generally assume in, in most horror movies are just what scares are. Tension building to an event. Yeah, something, something unexpected that happens. Yeah. Like something flashes right. up on in front of you on the screen something yeah. runs by the camera and you weren't expecting it like classic you know jump scare kind of stuff something mm-hmm. but you don't know what it's going to be okay so here's the thing about why the jump scares in this are so fucking effective um to me anyway a lot of it is due to one of the more masterful parts of this movie which is so understated that most people won't even realize it uh the sound design in this is yes. absolutely superb Amazing. and the way the sound design in this really fucks with your head is is crazy, man. So, like, for mm-hmm. example, one of the jump scares, whenever Bola's is in the apartment and he's seeing um, the girl, like, running around in the apartment yeah. stuff, he's seeing her very unexpectedly, there's a part where it's just showing this empty hallway, it's like a doorway, rather, and uh-huh. you hear running footsteps. You hear footsteps yeah. that go blah, 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 like, clodding along really fast, and then the daughter walks through the doorway walking slowly. It's yeah. like these weird psychological disconnects that the sound design mm-hmm. in this is so effective at doing, where you hear running, you expect to see something run by the camera, but instead something walks by it, and your brain just goes, I was expecting something to, to come by the camera, but it wasn't that. That kind yeah. of just like, you know... Um, Slight, yeah, slight of hand, I guess you would call it. Slight yeah. of ear, in a way, uh-huh. where the sound told you something was coming, but I gave you something that was actually a little different than that, made it more effective, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I was, um, I was, I was listening to it with with headphones on, and there were just so many little moments of like, you know, uh, just whispers or yeah. like tiny sounds and things in the background that they don't even react to. That, like, it slowly builds up then. Like, if you're paying attention, you then, like, start to get to see them pay attention. And then you're, we're all in it together. What is going to happen? And then the tension builds. And then the moment there's just that thing that run across the camera type of thing that just, like, it gets you. It gets you exactly where it's supposed to get you. But it doesn't feel cheap. You don't feel like you've been tricked into being scared oh yeah Which, not even scared tricked into going ah mm-hmm. and yeah. sometimes even like classic misdirect stuff where um and, and we saw some of this in other movies like hereditary and uh, uh-huh. a, a lot of other flicks that i'm thinking of now to think about where yeah they kind of prey on i'm gonna say every everyday basic household fears where okay for example Whenever he finds the hole in the wall and there's like a wire yeah. dangling down uh-huh. and then he reaches his arm inside of the wall, like 
reaching your arm into an it's unknown scary. hole. Yeah, where it's just like, what if there's bugs? What if there's a snake in here? What if there's a nail sticking out? Like, anytime you're putting your body um, into an unseen, unexpected place, this could all go very sexual. I'm very aware of that. That's what she <laughs> said that I'm setting up right now. Yep. But, like, that kind of thing is something that we have all dealt with in some way that is scary. And the thing about it is, is, like, whenever it shows him reaching into that wall and pulling out that wire, and then you see there's a figure behind him where you're like, uh-huh. I was so fixated on what the fuck is in this wall right. that I wasn't even thinking of what could be coming up behind this motherfucker while he's doing it. Uh-huh. The misdirection is so well done, man. It's extremely well done. And uh, Nyagak, uh, Malaika Abigaba, I didn't find any, like... I haven't seen anything else she is in, uh, but the way she portrays the character of Nyagak is so good because she, like she, she's extremely, um, like sympathetic when Very, yeah. they kidnap her, basically, and she is just confused and then screaming for her mom and stuff. But in the moments when she's supposed to be scary, is when she's like so good, like. When she comes running at him with the knife. And you know I hate a creepy kid in horror movies. That usually is ineffective to me. Yeah. And, well, you know what they did good that I really loved is that they put a mask on her. Mm -hmm. Because Nyagak is not bad. She never did anything bad or evil. Mm -hmm. So she wears this mask, much like Michael Myers, to do the bad stuff. Hmm. Like, and the mask is ugly. Like, the mask is fierce and scary. So she she is getting revenge, but this is a representation of Nyagak that does not, like, is is not directly related to her actual, like, personality or who she was. It is to scare him. Yeah. So they never, like, by putting the mask on her, they never make us feel like the little girl was evil. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about that mask, though, is that it is almost a character of just her face as Bull right. knew it. She has the scarification yes. kind of tattoos on her face and stuff, um, but it's almost like a memory he's tried to blot out that has become uh-huh. disoriented, dis- uh, distorted, I guess I should say, right. and disturbed as a result of the fact that he's trying to block it out. Yeah, I can see that. Very, very cool, man. This movie is fucking scary. Like, honestly, yeah, I don't awesome. remember the last time that we did a movie for this show, period, that I was sitting here being really unnerved, like really yeah. watching the screen being like, oh, shit, like, what am I about to see? I don't know the last time that has happened while we've been doing this podcast. Yeah, no, and I... Uh- it's this, been a while. This movie scared me, dude. I was fucking tense as shit watching this movie. Were you? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's why, um, that's one of the main reasons why it was my favorite movie of last year. That it, um, it was just really getting to me the entire time. Like, in the, the, the emotional sense, but also in the, the fear sense. Like, it really does. And it's like, an hour 30 like it's a tight movie so there's never a moment where you feel like a lull like you're either being drawn into the characters emotionally or you're dealing with this frightening ass shit yeah it's 
I, I loved it. I mean, I, I think when we talked about it in December, I didn't want to say too much. Yeah, yeah I, you, you I, didn't like, spoil it for me. Yeah, I didn't. You do not want this spoiled for you, but watching it afterward, watching it, um, you know, having seen the the reveal that they had kidnapped this girl and she wasn't their daughter and then she drowned. Um, you watch through, you don't, there are no moments I saw where I was like, oh, you could have figured out that she was, she was not their daughter. Right. Like it, like everything about the movie, it's tight. It's scary. It's emotional. It has a great reveal that is in no way spoiled up to the point. It has just extremely effective scares. Everything works in its favor. Oh, yeah. Like, I I love this movie. But, you know, the other thing about that twist that works so well, and this is a comment um, and a critique that we've made about other twists in horror movies, it always sucks whenever the movie punks you. Whenever the movie's right. like, hey, you remember that thing I showed you? I lied. You're an idiot. Right. Do, do, do. This character was dead the whole time. Like, that sucks. When the twist is, like, unreliable narrative. Right. That blows. This movie does a twist the right way. Right. They never, they, when they are individually talking to each other, they never talk about their daughter. Yeah. Never once. Yeah. Like, the closest um, it gets is when, like, they're talking and he's like, yeah, you know, I figured we could come here and we could start a family. And she kind of, like, silences him. And I'm like, oh, man, he said start a family. Like, they didn't already have a family. Right. And then you're like, actually, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> and when she's at the doctor, um, the the doctor or nurse or whatever, they never say, the woman taking her blood, um, she compliments her on the the necklace and she says it was Nyagex. Uh, and oh, then she the didn't woman say it was says, my daughter, yeah. Right, and then the woman says, oh, is that your daughter? And she doesn't answer. I didn't so, think about that scene. Yeah, yeah because like, at the time I was reading moments. it as... It yeah. was my daughter's. I don't have a daughter right. anymore. In reality, exactly. she was going, and I never had a daughter. And she was emotional, so she didn't like feel like answering. And also, wow. like the fierce look she kind of gives her is just like, you you don't understand. But you, you get the you get the feeling when you watch it the first time that like she she's too emotional to talk about it, and then like unloads on the nurse because the the nurse just doesn't. She feels like the nurse has this detachment from her. Mm-hmm. And doesn't really care. But like what's really going on there, she's feeling a lot of guilt about what she did. And like then she's trying to like explain away her her actions because of the things she she was getting away from. Like she talks about her entire family being killed and she cut those things in her arms so that she could blend in with either of the tribes yeah like she says like i survived yeah the thing she had to do to survive yeah and she's she has that line in there where she's like i survived because i belong to nowhere exactly god damn like that's the life of a refugee man that's yeah fucking brutal yes it is yes it is yeah I get, like, Shining vibes at times from this. I get Poltergeist vibes at times. I get Babadook vibes. Like, just a lot of really, really great things, I think, inspired this movie, but I don't feel like it's ever ripping any of them off. Is there any particular inspiration for the story that, that you saw through it? 
uh, uh, Poe's Telltale Heart, um, a little bit. I mean, because what the Telltale Heart is about is a man, uh, murders someone and then buries uh, him under the floorboards and he yeah. can hear the heart and it's like, you know, he starts to be driven mad by the thing that he's done and that's, that's what's going on with Ball, like, the entire time. He's driven mad by the thing that he's done, so he, he hears these things behind the walls. She hears them, but she's not afraid of them, so sh she can just deal with them easily. They seem to sense his fear, so they fuck with him. Yeah. And that, that makes him basically just like he's constantly being reminded of the guilt behind the walls, so he tries to tear down the walls to get at it, but it's not there. Uh, th that's very much Poe, but, uh, that, that's, you know, they're, they're definitely, um, uh, huge leaps have happened since Poe wrote Telltale Heart. So this, this movie only has a tangential connection, I think. Uh, I but see yeah, it though. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Other, those other movies you, you mentioned are probably much closer inspirations. Um, The Shining, I definitely see and Poltergeist definitely see like, but it, it's, um, it's unique in a lot of ways, too. Yeah, I think so, man. And and I'll say, too, another underplayed aspect of this movie that I thought was really well done is is the soundtrack. It's not a lot of soundtrack in this movie. Right. A lot of it is just dead air and dialogue. But, man, whenever yeah. there is soundtrack and it's these very, like, rustic-sounding strings and it's, like, it's instruments that I can't necessarily recognize... Um, it adds to the feeling of just like, hey, I don't really know the story of how these people got here. I don't really know much about their culture. It it brings to light my own ignorance about the entire situation. Um, I'm glad it wasn't, you know, an orchestral score or an electric guitar is what I'm saying. <laughs> I like that it added to the uncompromising view of this culture and stuff that we see in this movie where, again, it is not spoon feeding me anything familiar i mean even that story about the the opath and stuff the night witch like, yeah that's not really explained all that much by by introducing the apath like it's it's saying like look at this culture look at the richness of it like it constantly does that by by not over explaining yeah like look at how rich this culture is look at how how you could learn so much from this like, if you would listen, if you would be a part, if you would just uh, stop hating refugees because they took your gerbs or whatever and start <laughs> hating the billionaire capitalists who actually are taking your gerbs. Right. Uh, like, there's so much to be had and so much to learn. And that kind of uncompromising, again, non-spoon-fed kind of narrative we're given about this entire story really is one of my favorite aspects of it. I think that I see some people watching this movie that are maybe, I mean, I just want to say a little bit lazier that kind of want all the details <laughs> about like, why did they leave? What's going on? What's an opeth? What is she wearing? Like, I feel like there's probably a lot of people that want those details and that don't like this movie because it doesn't give them to them. Myself, right. I'm very thankful that it didn't because this is a horror movie that is being inspired by real world events. Like what is going right. on in Sudan is fucked up. And like almost half a million fucking people have died over there as a yeah. result of all this shit. It's absolutely insane. And I feel like, I feel and like that's if only this movie, recently there've been yeah. civil wars, 
yeah, it's it it's been a bunch. Oh yeah, and I feel like if this movie had those characters that, like we said before, were you know explaining to the audience what happened, what's going on, giving them the exposition, it would just turn that real life story into entertainment for white people. It would fictionalize yeah. it to a degree to where you're like, I'm watching a movie, I'm watching a fake story about some stuff that happened to people. Then they come, they they came here, and there's ghosts. Like I feel like right. that kind of you know, fictionalization of what really is going on yeah, would be to extreme detriment. And yeah. I, I definitely applaud this movie for being like, hey, this is real life stuff going on right now. If you don't know about it, maybe you should go yeah. fucking learn about it. <laughs> you just put it into the Google. You'll yeah. find out pretty quick. Google it. You'll find out why Sudan is fucked up right now. Um, I like that this movie encourages a little bit of homework on the user's part because I feel like that's something that if we really want to understand the situation that so many refugees from all different countries and stuff are in, maybe you should do a little bit of research about it. You know, yeah. don't don't wait for the narrator to spoon feed it to you yeah. and tell you why you should care. You know, I like that this movie movies. does that. Uh, don't look to movies for your source of what's going yeah, on. Like, exactly. They're, they're meant to entertain, usually. Movies are stories. I don't have a lot to complain about. I think that, again, it was beautiful. I think the cast is great. I think the pacing was great. Uh, I think the message is fantastic. It's not a feel-good watch. This isn't one of those I'm going to put on any time that it's just like, hey, it's a Saturday afternoon. i got some time to blow. Let's watch that fun movie. Like, I'm not no, going to do that, yeah. but that's also not what it was trying to do anyway, so that's not a knock yeah. against it. <laughs> no, not at all. I just feel like everything that it tried to do, it, it succeeded in, and I am extremely excited to see um, what's next from Remy, right? This is first thing? Yeah, name? Remy Weeks. Lemmy Winks. Lemmy Winks. Oh, Lemmy no. Winks. <laughs> I'm extremely excited to see whatever he has to uh, to say next, especially if it's in the, the genre of horror, because I felt like this was really incredible and one of the best directorial debuts in horror um, yeah. since, you know, since Get Out, honestly. A Get Out. Or since Hereditary, uh, yeah. since uh, yeah. The Witch. Well, I, mean, yeah. it's like I was going to say, there's, there's a lot been of a whole lately. lot recently. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we we're, we're in a we're in a golden age and I don't think it's going to get any worse with people making movies after the pandemic. Got a lot yeah. to work with. So Yeah, no, this is amazing. I I mean, I I don't feel I need to even justify giving it a 10 cuz I all I've done is sing its praises, but I think this movie is a, a 10. Wow. It does yeah. it does everything I want a horror movie to do. Strong performances goes into the emotion of the characters deeply uh, it deals with real world issues uh, all the while being a without any of those things well you would still need the characterization <laughs> that i talked about but it's still being uh an extremely effective horror movie totally. uh, and and doing exactly what you want a horror movie to do yeah so yeah for me this is a 10 I get it, man. I totally, totally get it. I, I think I'm gonna give it. Uh, I'm gonna give it a nine, just because I always yeah. like to to withhold a ten for a truly like I will watch <laughs> right. this movie a million for more times. Wraith. Yeah, for the wraith, for example, <laughs> the wraith. So I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. throw it a nine, but I'll definitely say like this is the best horror movie of 2020 that I've seen. Yeah. I haven't seen all of them. There's still some catching That's up true. I'm doing, but I am still of the too, ones I've and, seen. Uh, I, I still, nothing has dethroned it. I've watched a lot more 2020 movies in the past month or so, and 
nothing that I've seen has been better than this. For sure, man. And if you watch this movie and it inspires you to learn more about uh, what is going on in Sudan and you want to donate some dollar papers to help with those efforts and help people get uh, what they need and stay alive and stuff, uh, my wife compiled a little list here of some nonprofits that you can check out. Do some research into these and see what you think about them. There's the UN Refugee Agency, which you can find at UNHCR. .org. There's Helping Hands for South Sudan. That's Helping Hands, then the number four, Helping Hands for South Sudan.org. There's another one she found called Sawian.org that's out of Jordan. This is an advocacy and assistance to Sudan refugees in Jordan. And you can also check out networkforgood.org. Again, do some research into these. See which one you think um, makes the most sense to you. And, and donate and stuff if you want to help make a difference in this. It's uh, massively fucked up. And it's something that was not on my mind until I watched this movie. This is the power of movies. This is the power of horror movies, of entertainment. Stuff that can enlighten you about stuff that didn't happen in the past and not stuff that could possibly happen in the future. This is based on shit that is happening literally right now that I did not think about until I watched this movie. So um, this movie has enlightened at least one dumb, westernized, you know, uh, insulated white dude that didn't (laughs) know anything about what was going on. So... That in itself is a a victory that this movie has achieved. So hopefully it'll also spread more light on the situation to yeah. everybody that listens to this episode and everybody that watches the movie too. And if you want to help refugees here in America, uh, contact your, your congressperson, contact your senator, and uh, let Joe Biden know that yeah. uh, those kids are still in cages and they need to get them the fuck out. Mm-hmm. You're goddamn right they do. Let's do something about that shit, man, for sure. And if you want to help us out, you can <laughs> rate you yeah. on Apple Podcasts. That don't cost a dime. But yeah. if you want to spend several dimes, you can also support us on the Patreon. Yeah, patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. Head on over there. Become uh, a patron on any level. You get access to the Patreon exclusive episodes. Uh, there's a Raising Hope episode up there. There'll be a The Boys episode up there uh, sometime this month. Head on over there. But if you become a $5 patron, you get to submit a movie into the smoking bowl. It's smoking. It is. Absolutely. It's on fire the entire time I'm holding it. You can't (laughs) tell on like the videos because I I put that stuff that makes the fire invisible on it. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Whatever burns invisible. That. Mm -hmm. It's burning my hand the whole time. Oh, yeah. Um, the Patreon stuff basically just goes to pay for Steven's medical bills. Right, from the burns. He, yeah, the people in the burn <laughs> ward know him on a first-name basis. Every month, they're like, Steven, again? And you're like, well, it was the drawing for the episode, so... And they're like, well, who who got drawn? They're always excited. They don't yeah. listen to the podcast, but mm, they are no. excited to know who got drawn. I get um, it. <laughs> anyway, we, we draw randomly from that once a month, and then we review whatever movie we draw. Uh, we've done a lot of great movies. Excited to see what we'll do at the end of February. Yeah, goddamn right. So be sure to check out all that stuff. Hang out with us on Facebook, Discord, and Instagram. You guys can find yeah. us. You know how to use Google, right? Go to Google, type in any of those things. <laughs> You'll track yeah, us fa- down like a bloodhound. Yeah, facebook.com forward slash dead and lovely. Twitter at dead lovely pod. Uh, same on Instagram. 
we're all over the place. And if you want to join the Friday night screaming chat family, and it really is a family, shout out to all of my Friday night screaming chat friends. Head on over there. It's fun times. Everybody's super nice. If you're like, I don't know what a Discord is. Remember Yahoo chat? It's like that. If you're like, I'm scared. I don't know new people. These people are the sweetest people in the world. They will be absolutely excited to meet you. Whether you're uh, uh, a fella named I Cucked My Dad or just a regular <laughs> old person. All are welcome. All, All are, welcome. are welcome. And we miss you, I Cucked My Dad. <laughs> <laughs> well you guys be sure to tune into the show next week we're going to be talking about a movie that i have not seen steve have you seen this movie yes yeah all right we're going to be talking about tales from the hood part, part two. two you can do yeah. some homework and check out our first tales from the hood episode uh yeah, that was i don't good. know which one that is but you can find it wherever it you're listening to this Jeez, yeah. <laughs> it was a fun episode so yeah check that out get ready do some homework for next week's episode I look forward to checking out this uh, this thing and chatting about it with Hollywood Steve and drinking a cold, cold beer. So be sure to tune in mm-hmm. next week whenever we tackle that one. In the meantime, I hope everybody out there is staying super, super well. Hope you're having a swell time. I know that I'm doing A-OK, and I'm super, super thankful for it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. You guys have been fantastic. We've been dead and lovely. I've been Uncle Ben. I've been Hollywood Steve. We've been dead and lovely. Catch you all next time. We did it. So I keep a running tally of notes on my phone Mm -hmm. of just like funny stuff that I happen to think about during the week that I should bring up on the show for the fun, for the lols, right? Uh Uh-huh. And sometimes these ideas come to me and they're very fleshed out and instantly hilarious. And sometimes they're just kind of like sketches. You know? Yeah, I've got a few of those myself. <laughs> yeah, like I have just some where I'm like, I've been marinating on this a while and I can't quite figure out how to make it any funnier. Yeah. So I'm just going to spring this on you right here and see what you think about it and see if there's a way to develop this. Because this is just a, a short little note. But all that it says is Tom Cruise escalates Mission Impossible movie stunts until he actually dies. Mm-hmm. And in, in my head, I'm thinking like the way that he keeps making the stunts for those movies get crazier and crazier and crazier. Yeah. Is like actually how he's going to like go out. Like he's going to yeah. ride in a stunt where like he actually dies. And he's like, okay, are the cameras rolling? This is where my, my character mm-hmm. dies. It'll be Mission Impossible like snuff. Okay. Yeah. The snuff one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the finale. <laughs> yeah. That sounds about right. I wrote this. Yeah. I wrote this down. I actually tweeted some of this, but I didn't tweet my full idea, Ben, and I really think Mm -hmm. this needs to get out there. Okay. The only Spice Girl that is a Spice is Ginger. Unless Baby is spicier than I assume. (laughs) I don't know how spicy Baby is. It might be spicy. You know, I'm not going to be the one to find out, honestly. I don't intend to be the, uh, the guinea pig for that one, to find out spiciness of baby. Right. I, I then had to further extrapolate, well, what does each, what is each, each Spice Girl? So, scary is an herb. Duh. Right? Okay. Yeah. Woo. Spooky. Sporty. Aromatic. She's like, mm, she's, she's, your, she's your garlic. She's your onions. Because she, mm-hmm. she's yeah, working out, if you so she's sporty, yeah. yeah, exactly. You're going to work up some aroma. It makes perfect uh-huh. sense. 
Posh is wine. Duh. That's obvious. Oh, yeah. Obviously. I'm just reporting facts, but this is just how it is. <laughs> so, ginger's a spice, baby's a meat, and then you, this is a, a stew they're making. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> huh. The Spice Girls are witches, and they're making baby stew. Hidden in plain sight all along. Case closed. <laughs> You're under arrest, Spice Girls. <laughs> For making baby soup. <laughs> it's probably keto, though, so. <laughs> it's definitely keto. There's nothing in I mean, the onion's got a couple carbs, but, you know, other than that, baby's, like, mm-hmm. probably some pretty lean meat, I'm guessing. They're going to put the Quiznos Hagazoo sub out of business as the superior <laughs> low-carb option for consuming babies. You heard it here first. It's a shame this is at the end of the episode. This is the funniest stuff we're going to say the whole time. High quality. <laughs> High quality stuff. 